The customer experience has never been more important than it is today. Why is that? It's because customers and enterprises are no longer just evaluating their needs based solely on a product pros and cons. Instead, every purchase decision is being thought through on multiple levels, including whether or not a product is the right fit for personal and professional needs and looking into the deeper value of a product as it relates to the bigger picture of a company. Simply put, if you are not placing an emphasis on delivering the best possible customer experience to make those decisions easier and more seamless, you're fighting an uphill battle from day one. From a competitive perspective, everyone's upping their game. Everyone's wanting to provide that latest, greatest experience and capability for our customers. And as the technologies have evolved, particularly around things you can do in platforms, the opportunity for a digital experience is much more customer driven now than ever before. Mark Arnold is the Vice President of Digital Customer Experience at HPE, Point Next Service, a support and services arm of Hewlett Packard Enterprises. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Mark dives into the changing needs and expectations of customers and why the experience you give them has to rise to new levels. Plus, he explains why IT support centers, such as call centers, are having a much harder time today meeting consumer needs. IT Visionaries is created by the team at Mission.org and brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Innovate fast, empower every employee, and scale with confidence from anywhere with a customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. Welcome everyone to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have a special guest, the VP of Digital Customer Experience at the Point Next Service at HP Enterprise, Mark Arnold. Mark, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you. Absolutely glad to be here. All right. So that was a tongue twister of a title, the VP of Digital Customer Experience at Point Next Service, which is a Hewlett Packard Enterprise line of business. Tell the audience what exactly is Point Next Service. Absolutely. So Hewlett Packard Enterprise offers a variety of products and as a service offerings into the marketplace. And Point Next is actually the support and service arm of the company. So everything we do is focused and geared towards enabling customers to run their IT infrastructure from a support and service perspective. And so with that said, dive into a little detail, like when, give us a use case of when a business would call on you or lean on you to implement or develop or handle something for them. Absolutely. So for us, you know, we view our customers, everything from a small, medium business, all the way up to you know, Fortune 10 companies. And as these companies are making their IT infrastructure decisions and then implementations, as well as even the management and operating of those environments, Point Next is able to step in and support the customers through that journey. And then as a customer is, if they're managing an environment themselves, we provide that level one, two, and three support for them should they run into any problems in their environment as well. And then when it comes to the digital customer experience side of that, so customer experience is used quite often in the tech industry, or it's actually in every industry, right? People always talk about what is the customer experience? What's the digital customer experience? We've had clients that sell 
direct to consumer shoes. Talk about how they want to make sure their website integrates nicely with their SKUs so that when a customer purchases or when someone gets on the line for service help, they all consider that part of the customer experience. Is there a specific domain in your world where you're the VP of customer experience, where you're focused on inside of this digital services offering? That's a great question. So as we've approached this, it's really been from a customer view. And we've looked at how we can transform the way our customers engage with us as a business. You know, traditionally, a support business has been managed in one of two ways. It's either a face-to-face situation where a customer has a representative, where there is actual face-to-face interaction, there's an on-site presence, or there's an element that's a remote delivery side. Which, you know, think of your typical type call center or technical solution center, where if a customer has a problem, they call in and get that support. The landscape's changing, and our customers really just want that digital capability to self-solve, to self-serve, and to own their own future. So what we're doing on the digital experience side is looking at our portal environment, our social forums, even looking into mobile applications where we can create a true environment our customers can operate in, an end-to-end platform that's integrated, that has elements of AI layered through it, and at the same time has a seamless connectivity back to our telephony infrastructure. So from a digital engagement perspective, the customer has the opportunity to choose when they want to engage with us, a platform of choice, and then as they work through driving business results, we're always there to support them not only digitally, but also through our telephony infrastructure back to our global remote delivery centers. I'm trying to get my head around all of these things that in the service offerings, I think I kind of understand a little bit what the business is only because I have a frame of reference from what HP Enterprise offers. When I think about this, I think about how every business today is moving in a way to service the customer. They are all building some type of end user digital experience. Typically that means scaling some type of technical system that they've never had to scale before. So I think about you know, some of your competitors, even when I go through the airport, they'll have ads that suggest, you know, businesses that are in the cookie business or have to go digital. And I'm curious from your perspective, what are you seeing in regards to the groundswell of businesses that were maybe traditionally didn't have to rely on a digital experience? Like maybe they sold through retail or like in the, my example of cookies, they just had to rely on their supermarket to sell through their cookies. But that's not, that's changing very, very quickly. I'm curious what you're starting to see in the demands from businesses that are not considered tech companies because every company is now a tech company, right? The software is eating the world concept. Every company has to build something that a customer can experience via mobile phone, let's say at minimum. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, I do. So I think there's two elements of that. One is just from a, a competitive perspective, everyone's upping their game. Everyone's, you know, wanting to provide that latest, greatest experience and capability for our customers. And as the technologies have evolved, particularly around things you can do in platforms, whether it's a a Salesforce community platform or or leveraging Kaveo for search, or even thinking through AI and, and really what can be done with a virtual agent, the opportunity for a digital experience is much more customer-driven now than ever before. And then the second piece to that is, 
the whole consumer mindset is evolving into how the corporate world operates. And as we think about that migration, the experience I have as a consumer is the same experience I want to have in my corporate B2B type environments. So whether it's a, a mobile app like you would use with your Chase Bank or your United Airlines, customers are wanting to see that same type of ease of use in their B2B applications. And so for us, as we drive our digital experience, we want to deliver that. At the same time, for us, our customers are very widespread. As I mentioned, small, medium business all the way up to your Fortune 10 companies. So when we provide that experience, we have to be able to differentiate and tailor that experience to that specific customer. So knowing who the customer is, what their role is within their company, and then dynamically creating an environment for them is what creates that ease of use because not all customers want the exact same thing in that digital environment. So having the tailored, differentiated experience is key to us as we move forward in delivering on a true digital customer experience. What about some examples you have of different companies that are going through this transformation? Uh, I don't know if you could share any stories of what, you know, someone's world looked like before you guys implemented a customized service versus what it looked like after. That's a good question. So typically, you know, our support model would have been a customer would have called in to one of our remote delivery centers, had support over the phone, and we would have asked a litany of questions, you know, things such as, you know, who are you? What is your serial number? What's your contract ID? Where is the asset located? And then once you get through all of that, you can begin to ask some of those troubleshooting questions to guide the customer through hopefully some sort of remote delivery of a fix for a problem. And in the process there, we may order a part to help the customer. We may even dispatch a field engineer. And that field engineer could go and and help remediate the customer's problem. In this new digital environment, the customer is able to just simply go into the portal and we know who they are. We know their environment and their assets, and we can actually recognize them and, and take them through a digital experience that can be either facilitated through a virtual agent or the customer driving themselves. But it's as simple as, selecting the asset you are either having an issue with or you want to understand a warranty or service coverage. You're asked a couple of simple questions. We can, through our AI engine, do troubleshooting and remediation, even showing videos and pictures to a customer on how they can actually self-remediate any problems. But if it still doesn't meet the customer's needs, they're able to chat with a live engineer or click to call back into our remote delivery center. And if that happens, when the engineer answers the phone, all of that history goes with the customer of what's happened. So the engineer knows who they are, what the asset is, where it's located, where they fell out in a troubleshooting step, and is able to pick right up and take the very next best action. So in doing all of this, it creates an experience for the customer that's end-to-end, and it's simple for them to engage. And as they're going through it, we're tracking, capturing every step along the way. And it's 
kept within our case history so that there's always reference. And so from a customer's view, they have this stickiness to wanting to have their business supported by us because they know it's always available. They always have access to an environment that drives them towards a self-serve, self-solve mentality that allows them to take actions when they choose to do so based on their schedules within their environments. So you brought up a good point because I think about on consumer side, you know, we've all been there. I think we've all been there on a support line or looking for support, whatever we're looking for, where there just seems to not be this continuity of case where something, you know, you're repeating things or you have to re-enter information that you feel like should have been captured. What makes it so challenging that older systems cannot do this? I didn't know if it's a, is it a human behavior problem? Is it a technology problem? What kind of problem is it that prevents continuity of service from continuing? It seems like, you know, what you guys are doing is ensuring that doesn't get dropped, but obviously there are many companies that do not have this figured out. Right. So I think historically, when companies set up their support models, a lot of this was done in silos. So you would have a remote delivery organization or a call center organization that would have a telephony stack that was you know, kind of that traditional landline type old telephony environment. And then you might have a portal development team that was creating a portal and then you would have actually your case management infrastructure where you're trying to manage all of the customer's cases. And you might even have part of your team that works on chat, but none of that holistically is connected together. They were all built in silos. So what we've done is more of a tops down approach in terms of looking at our environment and what technologies and pieces we're able to put this together in a way that allows end-to-end visibility and tracking. So for example, in our call center space, we're moving to one of the Genesis platforms that contact center as a service. And we're able to integrate that into the Salesforce platform. Our chat is integrated into the platform. And all of our AI and analytics and knowledge search from Caveo is all integrated in the platform. So by pushing everything into this, I hate to use the word homogenous environment, but we're, we're pushing it into a platform that allows us to now have a customer have this omni-channel experience, but back end for us, we can see it end to end with visibility and it's seamless to the customer. And then from your perspective, you've integrated these application services so that your customers can have that optimum experience. It obviously sounds like quite a bit of legwork. What do you think is the reason, or have you heard the reasons of why other businesses maybe aren't moving, investing in this arena, I guess that's the best way to describe it. Because it does feel like you're exactly right. You've, we've all been there. We've, we've worked with companies that it seems like they're, the way they service you is just significantly better. Uh, maybe every single case manager seems to, like you mentioned, the breakdown of silos, every case manager you talk to, seems to have information in all realms of the business and therefore they can help you. Whereas you work might work with another company and every person you talk to seems to not know something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Why, why do you think that investment hasn't been unilaterally adopted across industries? I think it's not an easy investment to make. 
And it's one that requires a true commitment to delivering a customer experience that allows that customer to have that sense of loyalty and trust in you. And it's about a a customer first mindset. And I think some companies that struggle with this decision on the investment and how do you look at an ROI and a payback period and, and all of those elements sometimes miss the point that without having that compelling digital experience, you're going to lose your competitiveness in the marketplace because there's only so many times you're going to go through a bad support experience before you say, it's not worth it. There's someone else out there that has to be doing this better. No, that's absolutely right. And we, we hear it all the time in the, for customer experience leaders in consumer applications or consumer products specifically, they often talk about how you're not actually even evaluated against your market anymore. You're evaluated against the industry. So they talk about how Amazon, for example, is notorious for providing great service on the retail side. You just expect that from all retailers and how that continues to permeate throughout different industries. Like someone sets the gold standard and then everyone else is left to either meet it, beat it, or get left behind. You're absolutely right. And you know, I even think about you know, some of the things that my kids do on their iPhones, right? And, and all of the apps and the services and the capabilities that they have there. And the fact that their frame of reference for what a digital experience should be is literally something that can be managed on your iPhone. So as they continue to progress and, and move less out of maybe a consumer world and more into a commercial world, their frame of mind of what is a digital experience has already been set. And it's set in that you know, ease of use consumer mindset. And I think from a, a commercial perspective, companies have to make that transformation that says, our customer base is evolving. Expectations of a digital experience are tenfold what they were even a year ago. And every day you're not investing in this is a day you're behind. So I, my kids, the same thing. And I watch them, for example, let's say experience new games. The way they are now is if they can't figure out this game in, I want to say the first three minutes of installing it, they'll delete it. Like it's done. They'll never look at it again, which I thought was insane because I feel like modern gaming is so complicated. Uh, they tried to teach me, for example, how to play something. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> so I wasn't, but it supports what you're saying, which is they have this standard that if they cannot be self-taught, self-administered, self-guided in a reasonable fashion to their, whatever their standard is, I mean, they view it as not worth attempting anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not even, like their friend can tell them the game is amazing, but they'll just be like, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> Absolutely. And so that's, you know, as, as we've been working through our digital customer experience program, we're meeting with customers routinely as we're doing our agile development. So what we're doing is we're building out a set of capabilities. We're piloting with customers. We're taking them along with us in this journey through rapid prototyping to understand what are those elements, the use cases, whether it's UX, UI, or or even workflow processes that resonate with the customer. Because you're absolutely right. If they go into this new environment and have a bad experience the first time, no matter how much we tell them it's good, they're never going to go back a second time. So you really get one shot at 
making this truly amazing for those customers. And the only way you can do that is designing it for the customers, with the customers, with their experience and knowledge as part of your design infrastructure. Are you seeing that experience influence the buying process as well? Because I'm, I'm so, you know, in a retail exchange or uh, individual consumer exchange, if I have a bad experience, yes, I can choose not to buy. But if I work for a company, my company might be in a service contract or it might have a bigger overarching reason why I'm using a set of services or a set of applications. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you're starting to see like this individual feedback more influence the purchasing decision for renewals, continuation, extensions of service agreements, or because, you know, if I think back to the way software used to be bought, the company or the CIO or the CTO, they made a decision and then everyone kind of fell in line. There wasn't really an opportunity to raise your hand like, I don't like this. But I didn't know if you started to see that that trend kind of change. Absolutely. I think, you know, from a customer viewpoint, because of the level of competition in the market, no longer does product alone drive business decisions. And as even more of the decisions are moving to this view of a total cost of ownership, and do you purchase an asset? Do you lease an asset? Do you do everything as a service in a a cloud type model? The service element is taking on more and more importance in that buying decision. Not just the service experience, but also the service offerings and the type of capabilities that you can provide to your customer base. And so I think we go through the next few years, we're going to continue to see an evolution in the market, whether it's the IT market or even other industries where more and more companies are going to become service-led, product-followed which is a much different mindset than where we were five years ago. I mean, it's, it's a, it is because imagine I'm thinking of like doing QBRs or annual reviews with customers back in the day when I sold software and you could point to what your product did, you know, the business outcomes and that was generally accepted as good. And then if they thought they agreed that your data was matching their data and what they felt, the product was renewed or it was extended. But now I can envision a world where you get a QBR or annual review and you show the data and they're like, well, yeah, well, you also had 1,000 service tickets a day or something like that where, where literally my teammates were complaining about you all day long. And to your point, they probably with some level of confidence believe that there's another product or service out there that can match the outcomes, but deliver it in a better fashion. Exactly. And that's a great point because the conversation we actually want to have with the customers is in that QBR we don't even talk about that because you've already seen all of that data real time in your portal environment. And nine times out of 10, we resolved it in a proactive fashion before it ever became an issue for you. And so we then are able to have a conversation that says, how can we help your business be more successful with further services and products? Because what we're managing for you and what we're enabling you to be successful in the environment today is done with grace and ease. So you know, our objective through this digital customer experience is, is actually almost just to remove that whole QBR element because it's digitized, it's automated, and you have 
all of the proactive and reactive reporting available to you as the customer real time. You can see it any day of the week you want. Oh, that's, I mean, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. I can see exactly how that plays in. You know, now I'm no longer in enterprise sales, so, or I don't experience enterprise tech or enterprise buying anymore, but I can see, I could remember when I was in it that I started noticing this groundswell shift. And so I agree with you. I think this is going to be a big deal going forward where people, people need or want or rely on that proactive service now, because being proactive to your point, we talked about earlier, once you experience that and you see a company handling your IT support tickets or whatever, whatever you got going and you see a company actively handling them so that you're not dealing with it, it never escalates. That's going to start feeling good. And that's, that's going to be the next driver. Cause once you have that, customers aren't going to want to go back to something different. They're not going to want to go back to the point where they're actively working with their vendors to be like, Hey, solve these problems. Exactly. I mean, the, the best, the best solution for the customer is their IT environment is seamless and they can focus on driving their business and their business outcomes in partnership with us. And what that means is we have to deliver a set of capabilities that not only help them optimize their environments, but help them be competitive in their own lines of business. It becomes less about actually we being a support organization and becomes more of us being a trusted partner and advisor with our customers and how they manage their IT for their own business outcomes. No, that's awesome. For yourself, where does your role and responsibility lie within the organization? Do you help push product development? Are you the one that liaises between customers and HPE to help further develop the services? Where, I guess, is your energy focused? Um, I would say it's, it's split across a couple of different areas. So the first piece is, you know, my core responsibility is delivering this digital customer experience. So, you know, I spend a tremendous amount of time with IT and our design teams around what are the right infrastructure, building blocks, technologies we want to deploy to create these amazing customer experiences. And then I also work with our product businesses to ensure that we have the right connectivity and touch points back into our product organizations, whether it's server, storage, networking, so that all of these devices and solution stacks can properly operate within our digital customer experience. And then at the same time, it's a tremendous amount of time with customers in understanding where are their points of pain, what are things that would allow them to operate in the most successful fashion, and then bringing those three together and putting together a roadmap of building blocks that says, you know, these are the phases of our transformation we need to go through ensuring success for our customers. How about when it comes to, so you got those major domains, right? Product team, internal teams, customer teams. Do you follow any sort of guiding principle, either personal or company principles, but helps you make decisions in regards to what to focus on and what to, let's say, put on the, you know, the back burner. So I think about, for example, you know, there's a couple businesses out there that are just, you know, they're obviously very famous for like their brand values, right? So like we'll use a, a Texas company, Southwest, when they were building their airline was, was maniacally focused on being the low cost provider. Right. So when someone introduced an idea, the CEO was legendary, be like, does that make us, does that help us lower, keep our airfares low? 
And if the answer was no, then he's like, we can't do that. <laughs> That's, it's, it's a great example. Um, yeah. I would say that for us, not only as a, a company culture, but even specifically within our point next business, everything is about the customer. Everything, everything is about the customer. And whether you think about your traditional metrics of you know, CSAT or DSAT or net promoter score, you know, whatever traditional metrics you want to go through and look at, you know, even the evolution to now ease of use type metrics, all of those are important. They're all great numbers on a page. But at the end of the day, if the customer is not delighted by your experience, then that becomes a break point for us in our program. So for me and in, in the decisions we're driving, the first litmus test is, is this customer oriented, customer focused and customer delightful? And if we pass that hurdle, then we can talk about all the remaining questions around cost, ROI, implementation time. But it begins and ends with, does this help delight the customer? Mark, man, that the problem is that's too obtuse. Like, you know, because one customer I care about looks, one customer I care about speed, one, you know, they're all going to be different. They're going to, they're all going to have different uh, needs. That is true. And, and I think as we've looked at our platform, what we've tried to do is build it in a way that you can enable that differentiated experience. So for example, if you're a customer and your role within that company is working and managing an IT data center. When you go into our portal experience, you're going to be able to have a tailored experience that looks just at your assets, your infrastructure, your uptime, your performance, your proactive recommendations on actions you can take to be more successful. But at the same time, if you're a CFO and go in, your differentiated experience talks about your total cost of ownership. What are the renewals that are coming up? What would we project your utilization to be and your need for potential upgrades of capacity? So you're right. Every customer is different. And that's why from a design perspective, we're using building blocks and elements where we can have that personalized experience as we make future rollouts of our engagement platform over the coming year. So it sounds like it's quite modularized. It is. I mean, it's got to be, right? Like that's the only way to handle all these different requests. So as we've spent time with customers, we're building out what we call personas. So we're grouping customers, roles, and size of organizations and, and creating what we call personas. So as our design teams are building out capabilities, they're thinking through it as a lens of, I'm persona customer A. What are the things that are important to me? As compared to, I'm de designing for customer persona B and what elements are important for them. And it is set up in a way so customers can even modularize that even further. So it, the personas even just create a base template to start from. And then from there, based on your role, you can add or remove different widgets from your engagement platform to personalize it even further. There you go. That's what you got to do. Custom tailored experience for all these customers. I mean, I always think about like uh, some of the, you know, let's use it on the consumer side, right? Everyone, for example, I think everyone's already figured this out. Everyone's Amazon experience is different. It's tailored to actually what they think you're most likely to buy. For example, it's not in alphabetical order. Most people have no clue that that's true. Exactly. <laughs> they, exactly. They, they look at it like, oh, this is, you know, it's 
They're so good at converting. We see that at the consumer level. I've not heard of it as much at the enterprise level. So it's awesome to hear that that is, that is where the thought process is. Because I think back to the original point when we talked about earlier is at the enterprise level, if we're starting to see the actual input from users, the way they're experiencing products and services is influencing the businesses' buying decisions, then absolutely that mentality is carrying over. I'm currently, like I said before, I'm no longer in enterprise software, but I can see how that can be a significant benefit or advantage to offer services like that, where it's more tailored to a user versus uh, the company. Very much so. Well, Mark, it is time now, now that you've shared with us all the cool things you're doing at HPE, it's time for the lightning round. The lightning round (laughs) is brought to us by Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Mark, this is where we ask you questions outside of work so that our audience can get to know you a little better. Uh, This sounds like a great test. All right. (laughs) We don't ask anything too personal, but it's usually pretty fun. So it looks like if we follow you on LinkedIn, you went to Texas A&M, you went to Houston, HP just moved its HQ to Texas or one of their HQs to to Houston. What is the best part about living in Texas? Because I keep hearing about all these people relocating to Texas. In fact, our boss, Stephanie, relocated to Texas. What is the best part about living in Texas? Two key things. One, no state income tax. Okay. (laughs) Two, uh, particularly in Houston, we are probably the most multicultural city in the U.S. because we were founded out of oil and gas. So great food, great people, and it's an unbelievable friendly community. So I've only visited Houston one time. Unfortunately, it was only for work, so I never got to do anything fun there. But if someone were to come visit Houston, because I, I think everyone's looking forward to traveling again. Yeah. If someone were to come, what's the one place you think that someone should definitely go check out if they go visit Houston? If you are any sort of a, a sports fan, you have to check out one of the environments, whether it's the Astros with baseball or the Texans with football or the Rockets with basketball. We have some great sporting venues. I do remember driving by Energy Stadium, or it was called Energy at the time. I mean, yeah, it looked palatial. It looked pretty cool. <laughs> it is. It is. How about for yourself outside of work? What do you do for fun? So I very much enjoy outdoor activities. So a little bit of hunting, maybe some fishing, getting out in the car, going for a drive, just something where I can kind of step away from all of the fast-paced work environment and have a little bit of time to just calm and, and do some thinking about um, where the world's heading. When you do these outdoor experiences, do you go really rustic like, uh, or do you go really bare bones? For example, are you camping in a tent or are you kind of bringing a Winnebago and Airstream kind of deal to, <laughs> to these trips? Not quite uh, Winnebago and Airstream, but I am past the point where I want to go pop a tent and, and <laughs> sleep on the ground. What's the largest fish you've ever caught? Um, the largest fish, so most of the fishing that I do is freshwater. So I did find a lake once in Texas that had some extremely large, largemouth bass. And the biggest one that I caught was about five and a half pounds for a largemouth bass. That's a good size fish. That's awesome. When you aren't hunting, aren't fishing and aren't working, what else do you do to settle your mind? Like when you're at home? So it's actually not at home, but I've actually started taking dance lessons. So of all things, I, 
decided it was time to actually learn how to dance. And so learning a little bit of waltz, some foxtrot, some two-step, some rumba, which is a totally new experience for me. And that's, that's actually a great escape for the mind is to do something totally different, totally out of character, totally challenging. And at the same time, it's a fun activity to learn. Mark, you are, you are just a man of many interests, man. This is awesome. Like I, <laughs> I feel like, you know, da- dancing is one of those things where I feel like everyone wishes they were good at, but very few people take steps to become good at it. You know, cause well, I'll just go back to my days in college, tons of guys at the club or whatever. They're just up against the wall, bobbing their head, not, not dancing. And the guys that were dancing, were having more fun. So, I mean, I, th- I feel like you are a person that embraces this, you know, I don't know you that well, but I'm going to say like, you aren't afraid to be uncomfortable. You aren't afraid to be judged. You're out there trying new experiences. Absolutely. See, it's the only way to have fun in life. (laughs) Well, Mark, I appreciate you taking the time to join us today on ID Visionaries. Thanks for sharing some of the things that you guys are up to at Point Next at HPE. Thanks for also sharing a little bit of what you do to unwind and your life away from work. Fantastic. Thank you. Glad to be here anytime. Have a good day. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experiences, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform.